Welcome to Future Creators. I'm Robert Brothay. And I'm Francis McInerney. Future Creators, that's future-creators.com, is a self-directed, self-paced program for C-level executives who want to scale their companies profitably in our Zettabyte era. Francis is Managing Director of Future Creators, and today we're going to talk about capital efficiency. Welcome. Hey, Robert. Great to see you. Capital efficiency is one of the most unthought about elements that sits at the core of what we call the three cloud membrane interaction envelope. Now, on future-creators.com, you'll see videos and seminars describing in detail each of the cloud membranes, the subsidiary membranes of the cloud, and these are the app membrane, the app enablement membrane, and the app delivery membrane. Now, the cloud itself is capital efficiency writ large because all it is is unlimited access to computing at marginal cost. That's an extraordinarily capital efficient way of using a computer. One of the reasons why even people with laptops and personal computers use cloud services is because they're so capital efficient. You don't have to own the software and you don't have to own the horsepower, the monster servers that would enable you to use those apps. So the cloud is a capital efficiency mechanism par excellence. Now, the most interesting thing then when we look at the cloud membranes is which parts are capital efficient and which aren't. The apps are inherently capital efficient because they reside on the cloud. The app enablement devices are increasingly, increasingly capital efficient. Great example is the uh, Uber effect and whether you're looking at Uber or Airbnb and down to a, an iPhone, what you have are increasing attempts to make large capital items efficient. And the Uberization of automotive renders a huge piece of consumer capital enormously capital efficient. That process continues on and on, and we see it every day in the press. One of the most difficult places to administer capital efficiency, however, is in the app delivery membrane. The app delivery membrane is anything that connects the other two membranes, the app membrane and the app enablement device membrane. This includes all wireless communications, for example, from Bluetooth to Wi-Fi to cellular 5G, all wireline, whether it's your cable for your cable TV, uh, RJ45 cable running around your house, uh, fiber running up and down your street. It just doesn't matter. The problem is that must, much, much of that is extraordinarily capital inefficient. And we've discussed in previous podcasts what happens to the old phone companies, for example, when they're caught in a capital efficiency trap. And bluntly, those phone companies are going nowhere unless they can improve their capital efficiency. The next generation, things like 5G, will have to be capital efficient in order to work. Otherwise, there's no point in going in there. But let's think on a larger space. If you look back over time, what you see is an entire series of industries that were caught 
in a capital inefficient world. If you look back at the names that have long gone from computing, DataPoint, DEC, Compaq, Wang Computing, and so on, what you see are companies that never made the break into the capital efficient world of cloud mechanics. And you will see too that the automotive industry is in a similar position. Capital inefficiency is destroying its future potential. So this business of capital efficiency is big. And I now have a rule, which is that each of the membranes, the subsidiary membranes of the cloud, strives for increasing capital efficiency. That's it. Every membrane of the cloud strives for increasing capital efficiency, and every industry in the world sits on the three membranes. So there is no possible way out of this capital efficiency growth space. Try to stay behind and you will be destroyed. You've said often that asymmetry is death. Talk about uh, where there are some real problems for companies. You, know, you mentioned one being uh, a lot of this infrastructure and uh, equipment. Uh, where can companies uh, strive to fight off the asymmetry that can result? I have a great example, and it's one that we've done a previous podcast on, which is the telephone company business. Now, these companies are today in a massive crisis. For the first time since the 1870s, revenues are falling during a boom. I know we're still on a boom economically that has started in 2009. Uh, the boom continues. The dynamics set in place in 2009 remain with us. And yet, these companies are seeing collapsing revenues. That's unheard of, unprecedented. The last time they saw declining revenues was in the Great Depression. And it took three years of the Great Depression to force their revenues down. So you can imagine... In principle, they should be highly resistant to this kind of problem, on this kind of pressure on their revenues. Well, the problem, pure and simple, is capital efficiency. They are asymmetric with respect to the world in which they're operating. You have highly capital-efficient app membrane, highly capital-efficient app enablement membrane, and only part of the app delivery membrane is capital-efficient. So... What you will see over the next five years is a massive deleveraging of global telecommunications networks. All those assets, and there are trillions of dollars of assets, I've forgotten the exact number, uh, there are $2 trillion of revenues just in cellular alone globally. All those companies will have to dissolve themselves, and I don't mean uh, dissolve as in go bankrupt. What I mean is restructure their asset basis into optimally capital efficient bases. This will almost certainly mean shared ownership. You cannot go out and build a massively dense 5G network, which is like Wi-Fi on steroids, and expect to find the capital to do it. It's not going to happen. You have to find a capital efficient uh, probably a shared asset, uh, tax-efficient shared asset structure to enable you to roll that kind of uh, product out. In addition, you have all of the mass of wires and cables out there we see in the streets all over the world. All of that stuff 
will have to be put into some kind of new capital efficient business model. Otherwise, all those companies will, like Compaq and DEC and others before them, fall off the curve. It's as simple as that. You mentioned at the beginning of today's episode that capital efficiency is, is very much uh, an unthought about element when it comes to your business model. Why do you think more people tend to be followers than leaders in this area? I think the big problem is lack of education. We have spent many years looking at how the cloud membranes interact and what they mean for companies' information surfaces. And there are so many hours and hours of seminars on future-creators.com where you can learn how to do this yourself and what the impact will be on your business. Much of that has not been carefully enough studied by C-level executives. They just don't know. Uh, they weren't, weren't taught a thing about it in business school. Um, what they see happening at companies like Apple is opaque to them. They look and say, oh gosh, it must be this great product. I don't know how many people know, for example, that when they walk into an Apple store and buy a product and the person who's helping them swipes their credit card through a little, little slip which sits on top of an iPhone and asks them whether or not they want the receipt printed or sent on the email, I know of no one who understands what's really going on there. They think, oh, this is an option to forgetting my receipt. It's not. What's happened at Apple is the entire supply chain is being lit up that second to rebuild and send the identical product that you've just bought back to the shelves of that store. Now, that kind of efficiency is not understood by most CEOs because they don't see it and they don't bother to understand it. As a result, their own businesses get caught in a capital efficiency trap. Now, capital efficiency is key, in our view, to overcoming what we call at Future Creators the Hubble effect. The Hubble effect happens exactly as Edwin Hubble, the astronomer, uh, said uh, so many decades ago now, that the farther something is away from you, the faster it is moving away from you. If your operations are capital inefficient, you are stuck in a space that restrains your ability to inflate your information surface, something we've got a lot of videos on, at the rate at which the cloud interaction envelope is growing and where your customers are. So capital efficiency becomes a major drag. Um, I see phone companies today, for example, who think they can go off and buy content providers. AT&T is buying Time Warner. Uh, there's been talk, as, as we've discussed on this podcast, of Apple, uh, of uh, Verizon buying Disney. They can't do that without having a capital efficiency revolution first. And the names of all those companies that have fallen off this curve because they didn't get this, they didn't understand, are legion. So the problem, I think, again, is just pure lack of education. Uh, it's a lack of understanding the basics of the information industry and how it works. And uh, this is a killer. I think uh, we've talked about the deleveraging of assets. You know, you talked about the phone industry being a $2 trillion revenue business. Where uh, do you see the most threats to these companies? Is it holding on to these longer assets or is it their lack of focus on brand loyalty? Well, I think the biggest threat is hiding in plain sight. Take Wi-Fi. Now, you can have Wi-Fi anywhere you want. 
uh, it is staggeringly capital efficient because the ownership of Wi-Fi is highly diluted. There isn't one big Wi-Fi company. You don't go to your national carrier or your local carrier. You don't go to NTT or Deutsche Telekom or Verizon or Bell Canada and say, I want my Wi-Fi. You go out and put it in yourself. It's very, very capital efficient. So Wi-Fi has already started to dissolve that entire sector. And the key is that it takes up the bandwidth growth. So the bandwidth growth is all going to Wi-Fi, to small cell architectures. And it is not going to things like cellular, which are stuck in, a, in an old-fashioned way of doing business. Part of cellular, the cell tower business, uh, is operated by great companies like Crown Castle. It's highly efficient. They, they do that. That's what they do. The problem is that the bandwidth demand is moving away from cellular at an enormous rate. So to move to the next space, uh, to move to the, uh, the space of 5G, will require monster capital outlays that just aren't possible. So there will have to be, there will have to be big, big changes. Speaking of big changes, uh, one of the great features of future-creators.com is really helping companies navigate making these big changes. So what are some resources you can point to that would be uh, great for uh, potential subscribers to be aware of? I think one of our best resources is the fact that everything we do is based on the numbers. It's just the numbers. We don't do anything that deviates from that. Um, and we start off with some straightforward data you can get right off your own income statement and balance sheet, your cash velocity index, your capital velocity index. We show where you are in terms of the cloud mechanics from those numbers. Those numbers will reveal almost instantly if you have a very low information velocity, and we show how to measure that on our site, then your Hubble effect will be very, very high. Conversely, if you have a very high uh, information velocity, your Hubble effect will be very, very low. These are simple elementary mechanics. And if you can understand those mechanics, uh, and we have all the resources for you to do that, you can very quickly start to move your team in the right direction. And we've structured future creators so that your entire team uh, can be involved. It, it's, there's no limit. Uh, you want to bring your whole team in, set tasks, uh, get your team focused on different aspects of the new information mechanics. We can do that for you. It's simple because, uh, as you said at the beginning of this podcast, it's self-directed. All these videos are laid out on a very simple Netflix-like interface. You can go in, select your videos, uh, study that section, just like a course at a university. You're going to study one section or another section, you know. And uh, that's how we operate. And we try to make it as simple and easy as possible because these are immensely complex ideas. There's only one place in the world you're going to find them, which is us. There, no one else does this. No one else even close to doing it. And so we've laid it out in the simplest, easiest way for all C-level executives to work and bring their teams in and get back into the growth space. Great. Francis has been future creating for over four decades. He's seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. Again, please visit us at future-creators.com where you can find out more information and make sure that you determine outcomes and don't get run over by them. Thank you, Francis. Hey, thank you, Robert. See you soon.
So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life, the only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details.